The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to America's Web Radio. This is Ron Bachman, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight. Today, I want to talk about Donald Trump. I know we're just weeks before the 2022 midterm elections, and Donald Trump has his fingerprints all over this election on people that he's chosen to run or help to run, to finance to run, to encourage to run. And he, they're running on America First policies, the policies that Donald Trump put into place when he was president. The policies that I believe conservatives, Republicans across the nation support. There are very few rhinos, if you will, and those that did exist have been defeated in their own primaries, like Lynn Cheney or Lisa Murkowski is unlikely to be senator from Alaska uh, when all is said and done. So we tend to forget it's only been two years since Donald Trump was president and the progress that was made during his presidency to change this country, to advance this country, to bring manufacturing this country, to bring some hope and secure the borders and improve the employment picture uh, to keep inflation low, to make us energy independent. We tend to forget that because we only think about what happened yesterday. Our memories are so short. So I want to talk about Donald Trump and this election, and then I want to go back to his 2018 State of the Union address so that we can all be reminded what the State of the Union was just a few short years ago and how it could be again if Donald Trump's policies were in place, not necessarily Donald Trump. And so I want to start by talking to a real conservative intellectual that I highly respect, Victor David Hansen. And I want to preface this 2018 analysis of what the country looked like during the State of the Union address that Trump presented to Congress. And I want to ask uh, Dr. Hansen, to describe what he thinks Donald Trump could do, should do, might do in 2024. Is Trump going to run for president? Is he going to support other people like Ron DeSantis, Mike Pompeo, Tom Cotton, and many others? So what are the choices? What are the paths that Trump could take politically as we move forward over these next few years? And how might he think about it, and what could his legacy be, depending upon what he decides to do from this upcoming election in 2024, after what I assume is going to be a tremendous red wave in 2022, where the Republicans and conservative philosophy, the American first philosophy, the policies of Donald Trump, basically, when they take over the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate in just a couple of weeks. So let's listen to Dr. Hansen describe what are the options and approaches that Donald Trump, still the most popular Republican alive, 
could actually take over these next couple of years. Dr. Hansen, give us your perspective on Donald Trump. He's got two choices. He can be a tragic hero and say that I had some personality excesses. People called me crass and crude, but I got this agenda. We were successful, and now I paved the way for a new Republican Party. But the very sturm und drang of that process made me unelectable or maybe not going to be the, the right, and I'm going to ride off in the sunset and rest on my laurel. Or if he wants to say current, then he's got to shift attention from himself to the agenda. I, I know that he has a great confidence in himself, but he can say that I gave you this agenda. And everybody seems to agree that we have to restore the industrial capacity of the United States. We've got to be tough on China. We've got to have a, a border that's secure. Uh, we have to have a different foreign policy. We have to have responsible monetary policy. We've got to pump oil and gas. And people were not talking about it like I was. And now we're all on the same page. So as long as people agree with this agenda that I have established, the personalities, myself included, are not so important. And I think that would be wise for him to do that. He'd, ironically, he would get more credit if he were to do that. So, Dr. Hansen, what I'm hearing you say is, Donald Trump needs to decide whether he's the most important thing in this world or his agenda is the most important thing for this country. And we all know, love him or hate him, that he has a big ego. That may be very difficult for him to make a decision that he's going to step aside and basically he has put his policies and agenda on the forefront because he has identified and promoted and supported candidates for both the House and the Senate that agree with his agenda. So his agenda is going to be implemented one way or the other, but does he have to be in the forefront waving the banner saying, yes, I put this together, these are my people, and I'm going to lead the charge? Or can he say the agenda is the most important thing, and I can step aside and continue to promote and be sort of the historian of having established a new direction for this country from where Joe Biden was taking us, and he could be sort of the elder statesman that continues to be looked at for his wisdom and his direction and his policies, but he himself is a very divisive figure, and so if he was to try to run, can he really pull it off as the leader when there is so much hate out there, justified or unjustified? Can he really do this? But is there a third way that he might think about his time going forward in the Republican Party and hit, and promoting his agenda? But if he takes the third alternative, and that's what you hinted at, and he keeps dwelling on the injustices that were done to him, all of which were legitimate criticism, everything he says has legitimate grounds, but it doesn't matter now. The matter is the future of the United States and the world. The problem is the he's put himself into a paradox where the effort to get justice, even if he were to achieve it, would be such a distraction and such controversy that his agenda would be overshadowed. And there's people all over the United States that need that agenda. Dr. Hansen, wouldn't it be fascinating if Trump is running against other people like DeSantis who actually agree with him on policy. And how would the Republican Party or Trump sort of take to that whole dynamic of 
them basically agreeing. So now you're just talking about personality and character, I suppose. But what do you think would happen within the Republican Party and some of those who oppose Trump just to be opposing Trump because they didn't like his character? And uh, it, it would be fascinating to see that agenda uh, voiced by a lot of legitimate candidates that he would run against and debate against because it would put, the, say, for example, the left and the never Trumpers in a very strange position because they wouldn't fixate on Donald Trump alone. Yeah. And what would the never Trumpers say? They'd say, we've been conservatives all our life, but the fingerprints of Donald Trump on the agenda made it unpalatable. But now he's not there this candidate has these positions that we've sort of supported all our life, and I would like to see what they're saying. I, my suspicion is they've gone left, and that would put them in a dilemma because they wouldn't want to say, Tom Cotton, Ron DeSantis, Mike Pompeo, pre-Tump, these are the people that I would want. I don't think they would want them now. So, Professor Henson, what do you think that the left, the Democrats, would say about Trump running and about the other candidates that might be carrying out the Trump agenda, the American first agenda, what what kind of presidential campaign rhetoric do you think would come out of the left? There are people on the left that are that are warning the left now and they're saying in these quasi illegal things and blatantly illegal and uh, we we knew that the, the objections that it was Russian disinformation were fake. It was an authentic laptop, but it didn't matter that the FBI and the DNC and the left colluded with social media because their ends of getting rid of Donald Trump were morally justifiable, these means. And so they are fixated on Donald Trump, and yet there are people on the left and the Democratic Party that will say, be careful, because in your pursuit of destroying Donald Trump's viability, you're you're going to empower other people that might be more effective emissaries of this agenda. Well, audience, there you have it. Words of wisdom from what I think is one of the great minds of our time, trying to analyze what could happen uh, in 2024 and the buildup to the next presidential election. Now, I believe that a lot of that's going to depend upon what happens in the next couple of weeks in the 2022 midterms. If the Republicans take over the House and the Senate, as I obviously hope that they do, and that they take over the House with a substantial majority, something like 30, 35 seats, then I think the candidates have been running on America First agenda. That would prove that this pendulum of politics has that swings back and forth at times clearly has swung too far to the left. And I think that there will be investigations, there will be a continuation of the January 6th committee where the other side will be brought in. The question's about why did nobody take Trump seriously when he asked the National Guard to be brought up uh, during the January 6th rally that he had? Why did Nancy Pelosi not bring up the um, Capitol Police? Who is this Epps guy? Was he involved with the FBI or the CIA that was out in the crowd promoting the enthusiasm to crash into the uh, Capitol? There are things that this Democratic committee, with no real Republicans on there, Lynn Cheney or Kinzinger, they didn't ask the tough questions. People who brought forth information to the committee that were third and fourth hand accounts 
They didn't bother to go back to the source to ask the right questions and the right information. I think we're going to see all of that. And to the extent that Trump can get exonerated from January 6th, that might either encourage him to run, saying, see, I told you so, I'm proven right, and he gets the public acceptance of him as a candidate, much like a Churchill can come back and save the country. Or is he going to be satisfied that he has been redeemed, he has been recognized for the great policies he put in place that brought this country to the best level of economic security and um, energy independence and controlled borders, full employment, low inflation, all those things. Will he feel exonerated from that enough to sort of step aside and let a new generation of conservatives that follow his lead, in fact, take hold? Or will his ego sort of override that? I think that's what we're going to see very shortly once the foundation is laid from the results of the 2022 election, and we'll see where President Trump goes at that point. Well, stay with us because I want you all to listen to how it used to be as Trump describes the State of the Union in 2018, only a year or so after he took office, and how it could be once again. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Today we are talking about President Donald Trump. Our first segment today that you listen to lays out some of the options for where President Trump could go if he decides to run in 2024 and what the impact might be on him running versus his agenda being central to the 2024 election, and that agenda, America First, being picked up by most of the other candidates that have any legitimate chance at this point in time. And we're going to wait and see what happens with the 2022 election and how that might influence him to go one way or the other. But I want the audience to listen to his 2018 State of the Union speech, and I want to comment on it as we're going forward so that we can hear what his, in his own words, what he was trying to do, what his policies were doing, what happened after just the first year, and compare that to where we are today with Joe Biden after two years. Now, many people 
recognizing that this was the first State of the Union address that President Trump then was delivering. Many people questioned whether he was politically oriented enough to give a good speech, an uplifting speech, a policy speech, reaching out to the people of America on what his vision was going to be. He came into office being a successful business person, a multi-billionaire, but could he deliver the kind of speech in this high-profile event, the State of the Union, that would resonate with the American people? So I want you to listen first to his introduction to his own speech and how uplifting that is in his vision and his view of the American people. So let's listen to this introduction, and then we'll look at other segments, and I'll comment on it and contrast it with maybe where we are today versus where we were then and maybe where we could be in the future. Less than one year has passed since I first stood at this podium in this majestic chamber to speak on behalf of the American people and to address their concerns, their hopes, and their dreams. That night, our new administration had already taken very swift action. A new tide of optimism was already sweeping across our land. Each day since, we have gone forward with a clear vision and a righteous mission to make America great again for all Americans. Notice that President Trump in 2018 was trying to rally the country around his vision, and, and as with most presidents doing a State of the Union address, tried to highlight his successes and talk about the issues that still needed to be addressed that had he had as part of his vision for the rest of his first term, at least. And at the time, the country was very divided. There were many people who did not accept his presidency. There were 13 members of Congress who refused to even attend the State of the Union address. And others condemned him no matter what he did. So in this address, he's trying to bring together the people. Now, let's listen to him talk about how in the first year, he's been wanting to have policies that bring us together and highlight some of his early successes. Over the last year, we have made incredible progress and achieved extraordinary success. We have faced challenges we expected and others we could never have imagined. We have shared in the heights of victory and the pains of hardship. We have endured floods and fires and storms. But through it all, we have seen the beauty of America's soul and the steel in America's spine. Each test has forged new American heroes to remind us who we are and show us what we can be. We saw the volunteers of the Cajun Navy racing to the rescue with their fishing boats to save people in the aftermath of a totally devastating hurricane. We saw strangers shielding strangers from a hail of gunfire on the Las Vegas Strip. We heard tales of Americans like Coast Guard Petty Officer Ashley Leppard, who is here tonight in the gallery. President Trump's very first recognition in that State of the Union is to highlight a Coast Guard hero, 
a female who saved people's lives during times of tragedy, of the storms that were going on in the Gulf Coast and in Texas. I cannot imagine our current president highlighting a military hero instead of degrading them, as seems to be the case, and dismissing them. Trump's first and foremost goal in setting the tone for a better America was to recognize those first responders, the military heroes, and that's what he did. So let's hear a little bit more from Trump as he continues with his State of the Union of talking about this Coast Guard hero. Ashley was aboard one of the first helicopters on the scene in Houston during the Hurricane Harvey. Through 18 hours of wind and rain, Ashley braved live power lines and deep water to help save more than 40 lives. Ashley, we all thank you. I've obviously cut out the applause lines to take up some that would otherwise take up a lot of time here in this um, presentation. But there was across the board uh, appreciation and approval Yeah, the Democrats weren't quite as enthusiastic, but can you imagine today's president highlighting a military hero, let alone, as Trump will do next, highlight a firefighter, a first responder? Um, The Democratic Party has been about defunding the police, of ignoring or at least not supporting those kinds of first responders. So here's the next person, the second person, that President Trump recognized in his State of the Union address, a true hero firefighter. We heard about Americans like firefighter David Dahlberg. He's here with us also. David faced down walls of flame to rescue almost 60 children trapped at a California summer camp threatened by those devastating wildfires. To everyone still recovering in Texas, Florida, Louisiana, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands, everywhere. We are with you, we love you, and we always will pull through together. The next part of the State of the Union address by President Trump is about an event where people in Congress, Republicans, were personally attacked with bullets and shot. There were people from the far left a Bernie Sanders supporter, as an example here in this case, approached Republicans who were engaged in a softball game with Democrats and targeted the Republicans shooting at them, and they were only saved because a personal bodyguard that is given to one of the leaders of the House, in this case, Representative Scalia, he shot and killed the attacker. But most people talk about Republicans doing this and doing that. Nobody goes back, and this media certainly never highlighted that this was a Democrat supporter, a far leftist that attacked the U.S. congressman and tried to kill Republicans. It was going to be a slaughter until that man, fortunately, was stopped in his tracks. Let's listen to the president raise this issue in 2018 because it has been forgotten. And talk about January 6th and the resurrection. Here's a real attempt to overthrow the government by shooting and killing conservative Republicans. Some trials over the past year touched this chamber very personally. 
With us tonight is one of the toughest people ever to serve in this house. A guy who took a bullet, almost died, and was back to work three and a half months later. The legend from Louisiana, Congressman Steve Scalise. We're incredibly grateful for the heroic efforts of the Capitol Police officers, the Alexandria Police, and the doctors, nurses, and paramedics who saved his life and the lives of many others, some in this room. Notice once again how President Trump praises the first responders, the police, the firemen, the nurses, the paramedics. And the next segment that I want you to listen to carefully, he doesn't use this knowing that it was the far left ideology that drove that kind of madness to try to kill representatives of the House of the Representatives, but specifically Republicans, members of the House of Representatives. But he doesn't use that to explain the division among us and to look for healing. He does it in a slightly different way. He uses that tragedy of the shooting of Representative Scalise's situation to try to make a call for us to come together other than moments of tragedy. Let's come together about doing the people's business. So listen to this and contrast it with the kind of divisive language that our current president uses, calling anybody who voted for Trump, the MAGA Republicans, as being destructive and evil and working against our democracy. Listen to the contrast between what we hear today in the media and from our current president versus Donald Trump. In the aftermath of that terrible shooting, we came together, not as Republicans or Democrats, but as representatives of the people. But it is not enough to come together only in times of tragedy. Tonight, I call upon all of us to set aside our differences, to seek out common ground, and to summon the unity we need to deliver for the people. This is really the key. These are the people we were elected to serve. An audience, I can only tell you that having watched the video of this, the Democrats sat on their hands as he was calling for unity, that they were all elected for the purpose of serving the people. And Nancy Pelosi in particular just sat there and grinding her teeth and smirking and basically sending a message that the camera was picking up on. There's no way in the world they're going to work with this guy. But let's listen to the continued flowery rhetoric of the president. And people said, well, he's not really a, a politician that's normally given speech. Well, this is a very smart guy, and this is a very good way of raising up the American spirit for the audience that's listening in. And you know that he's a showman anyway. He's used to being on camera. So why people thought he couldn't deliver a good speech is beyond me. But listen to the way that he tries to reach out to the American people and the American spirit that he's trying to build into his presidency. Over the last year, the world has seen what we always knew, that no people on earth are so fearless or daring or determined as Americans. If there is a mountain, we climb it. If there's a frontier, we cross it. If there's a challenge, we tame it. If there's an opportunity, we seize it. 
So let's begin tonight by recognizing that the state of our union is strong because our people are strong. And together we are building a safe, strong, and proud America. Well, President Trump was clearly establishing the pride in, as being an American again, as opposed to the Obama administration prior to him was apologizing to the rest of the world for our transgressions, for our history, for everything else. And Trump is coming in and creating a pride in America. Stay tuned. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but I want to come back again to the spirit of Donald Trump in this State of the Union talk. Hey, folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember, folks, I'm not angry. I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Today we are looking back in time at the Trump presidency and in particular his State of the Union address only 12 months, 11, 12 months after he took office and how much was accomplished in that short period of time to benefit the American people at all positions in our economy, whether it's low income, middle income, or even high income. But everybody rises when, as the old saying goes, uh, as the water rises, all ships go up. And that's what was happening in just a very short period of time. The Republicans had control and President Trump was America first policies focusing on the people and not on the politicians, the kind of effect that it had. So let's listen to this, and we'll talk about it when this segment is finished. But listen to what was going on only 11 months after being in office and contrast that to what the Biden administration has done with their policies and the effect we're feeling today after two years of socialist programs of the Biden administration Contrast that with the free market approach of Trump. After years and years of wage stagnation, we are finally seeing rising wages. Employment claims have hit a 45-year low. And something I'm very proud of, African-American unemployment stands at the lowest rate ever recorded. And Hispanic-American unemployment has also reached the lowest levels in history. Small business confidence is at an all-time high. The stock market has smashed one record after another, gaining $8 trillion and more in value in just this short period of time. News for Americans. 401k, retirement, pension, and college savings accounts have gone through the roof. 
And just as I promised the American people from this podium 11 months ago, we enacted the biggest tax cuts and reforms in American history. Our massive tax cuts provide tremendous relief for the middle class and small business to lower tax rates for hardworking Americans. We nearly doubled the standard deduction for everyone. We also doubled the child tax credit. A typical family of four making $75,000 will see their tax bill reduced by $2,000, slashing their tax bill in half. And millions of Americans will have more take-home pay starting next month. Now, I want our audience out there to think about this for a second. Would the Obama, the Obama administration or the Biden administration today, with the Democrats in control of the House and the Senate, would they be able to change the economy to better the American people the way that Trump did? We so soon forget the power of releasing the American people to spend their own money, to eliminate government regulations, and to set people free to go their way, the entrepreneurs creating new jobs, creating new products, creating new services. That's what Trump did. That's at the core of the thinking behind all those changes and the results of low unemployment for minorities and Hispanics and women. That is what happens when the American economy is allowed to generate the kind of enthusiasm, the kind of jobs, the kind of capital to make things prosper for everybody. Now, this segment, Trump was talking about the impact on individuals and families and the lower income, trying to get them to experience the American dream. The next segment I want you to listen to, because it's absolutely critical, how did he help businesses while he was helping individuals, because it's ultimately businesses that create the jobs and the opportunities and the promotions and the income and the wealth generation possible. So let's listen to what he says about creating more jobs through helping businesses. We slashed the business tax rate from 35% all the way down to 21% so American companies can compete and win against anyone else anywhere in the world. These changes alone are estimated to increase average family income by more than $4,000. All businesses have also received a massive tax cut and can now deduct 20% of their business income. So for those of you out there that forget about the Trump miracle, he helped individuals by lowering taxes, by decreasing regulations. He helped small businesses by lowering tax rates, by, again, the regulations on businesses that that changed. And he's promoting and recognizing the value of small businesses, which back then and still today should be hiring about 80% of the new jobs, creating more new jobs than big businesses if you allow them to do it and create the right environment. Can you imagine President Biden either doing any of those things to help individuals and small businesses? Yes, they talked to talk, but Trump knew the way to actually have it happen. And 
The next segment I want you to listen to closely because it is classic Trump recognizing and praising and holding up as an example small business owners who create jobs and generate the growth and prosperity and enthusiasm in this country about job creation. So let's listen to this next segment and see how Trump does this and how you would never see Biden holding up a small business example of creating new jobs. Here tonight are Steve Staub and Sandy Keplinger of Staub Manufacturing, a small, beautiful business in Ohio. They've just finished the best year in their 20-year history. Because of tax reform, they are handing out raises, hiring an additional 14 people, and expanding into the building next door. One of Staub's employees, Corey Adams, is also with us tonight. Corey is an all-American worker. He supported himself through high school lost his job during the 2008 recession, and was later hired by Staub, where he trained to become a welder. Like many hardworking Americans, Corey plans to invest his tax cut raise into his new home and his two daughters' education. Corey, please stand. What a great tribute to the American dream to the American entrepreneur, giving more opportunities to more people. Now, you couldn't see it because this is an audio, but that young gentleman was an African-American, and the Democrats sat on their hands during this segment of recognizing one individual, an African-American, who was given the opportunity, took advantage of it, and has now got a job to promote himself and his family to a better level, a better lifestyle. That's the type of thing that Trump policies generated. And far too many people, the media and Democrats with their media voices out there, forget about the policies of Trump. They talk about his tweets, his mean tweets, his January 6th insurrection, which he actually tried to prevent, but yet they don't want to talk about his policies of actually helping the people that the Democrats claim that they are in favor of, but never help. So I want to everybody out there listening to be reminded of what may be one of the greatest presidents of our time, along with Ronald Reagan, to actually help the middle class to help them get ahead, to have more opportunity and more places where they can go and choices of jobs. So that's what the Trump policies did for so many Americans. Let's hear more of that economic boom that was started under Trump's policies after only about a year in office. Since we passed tax cuts, roughly 3 million workers have already gotten tax cut bonuses, many of them thousands and thousands of dollars per worker, and it's getting more every month, every week. Apple has just announced it plans to invest a total of $350 billion in America and hire another 20,000 workers. And just a little while ago, ExxonMobil announced a $50 billion investment in the United States. This, in fact, is our new American moment. 
There has never been a better time to start living the American dream. So to every citizen watching at home tonight, no matter where you've been or where you've come from, this is your time. If you work hard, if you believe in yourself, if you believe in America, then you can dream anything. You can be anything. And together, we can achieve absolutely anything. Now, contrast that message with what's actually happening in the United States under the Biden administration. Under the Trump administration, foreign monies that were frozen out by Obama and previous administrations were released. Lower tax rates were put in place. So what happens? Businesses were investing once again in the United States. $300 billion from Apple. Compare that to where Apple is talking about laying off people where big tech companies are talking about reducing the size of their workforce. Think about the differences that's happened in both the employment and the opportunity the American dream of people in this country under Trump's policies versus O'Biden policies and the Democratic policies. They believe in big government. The Republicans, and Trump in particular, believes in the American people to deliver by lowering taxes, let them spend their own money, get businesses going where they're not taxed and regulated to death, free them up to invest in America, create jobs, create opportunities. That's the way this country should work. Let's listen now as Trump tries to bring us together under the unifying concepts of our own American flag of pride in our own country. Contrast that with what the Democrats are saying today where they want to tear down our history. They want to uh, say that our flag is racist, that our country is racist. Listen to Trump and contrast that with what you know about the Democrats today. Tonight, I want to talk about what kind of future we're going to have and what kind of a nation we're going to be. All of us together as one team, one people, and one American family can do anything. We all share the same home, the same heart, the same destiny, and the same great American flag. Now, as you wrap up this segment, I want you to think, do you believe that Schumer, Pelosi, Biden, or anybody in this administration could even utter anything close to those words of unification around pride in America, pride in our flag, You know that these folks have been trying to tear us apart, tear us down, and all they can talk about is how racist everything is, whether it's from the flag, roads being built by Buttigieg says that the roads are racist, uh, and they're trying to teach our kids racism through uh, education in schools that nobody really wants except the Washington bureaucrats. So stay tuned. I want to continue with this presentation, and we'll be right back after this commercial break. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. As we look back in time to 2018, President Trump delivering the State of the Union Address. It is so easy for us to forget about our history, let alone forget about just a few years ago when our country was moving ahead, businesses were starting up, money was being moved from foreign countries to America, companies were relocating, manufacturing was coming back to this country when President Obama, the predecessor to Trump, said, how's he going to bring that manufacturing back? Wave a magic wand? Well, he did. And the magic wand was trusting in the American people, lowering taxes, lowering regulation, encouraging businesses to form in the United States, where the previous statements by our government, by our federal government and state government, even business leaders, was take it overseas. It's cheaper to go to China. You'll save more uh, in the cost, and you'll be able to make more money. Our taxes were, our tax structure was encouraging people to move stuff offshore, and that was considered the new normal. Our growth rate was down below 2% on average, and that was considered to be the new normal. We were told by President Obama at the time, just learn to accept it. We uh, used to be the dominant country in the world, but we're no longer the dominant country that we're not special. Well, Trump's turned that around. And in this speech, just a year after he's in office, he talks about how special the American people are, how he looks at family, faith in this country as giving opportunities and where this country is really founded on those principles, not big government, but more on the family and the faith of the family and on the ability of the great American dream to deliver to anybody who wants to have and deliver hard work and study and learn and educate and train themselves for whatever jobs that they want to do, but trusting in the American people. So I want you to hear that this next segment of his speech, how he talks about the basis of his optimism about America. Together, we are rediscovering the American way. In America, we know that faith and family, not government and bureaucracy, or the center of American life. The motto is, in God we trust. And we celebrate our police, our military, and our amazing veterans as heroes who deserve our total and unwavering support. Anyone listening to this out there can only know, if they go back and look at the video, that these were the biggest applause lines the American dream, family, faith, and respecting our first responders, our military, our border guards, all those things that the Democrats seem to want to either defund or do away with. They don't even want to recognize family and faith. They don't believe so much in faith. If you take a look at the Democratic uh, National Convention for the presidency, you'll find that they didn't even want to include the name God in their proposals. If 
they're trying to do away with God. They, they, they think if you can do away with God, where our rights come from, that then your rights come from the government. So it's totally ridiculous to think that the Democrats are out there to help anybody but themselves. They don't want to even respect one of the most basic founding principles of this country, that people came here for religious freedom, to be able to practice their own faith without having government get involved. And now government's involved not in establishing a religion, but the only religion they're establishing is a religion of big government, of socialism. And that's what Trump was getting away from, trying to move us away from. That's why he was so dangerous and why ultimately I think they threw everything, including the kitchen sink at this man, to try to destroy him. And he may or may not uh, ever come back into public life, but what he did was so important to this country to get established again and show the right path. That's why I wanted to replay this so that you could hear the words directly from Donald Trump, what his core beliefs were, so that we don't forget, so that never again will we put into office somebody who stayed in their basement didn't communicate with the American people and is backed by socialists who are pulling the strings and we don't even know in many cases who that is. So I want you to continue to listen to how Trump recognizes this and holds up as examples our military and our first responders over and over again in this presentation on the State of the Union. Here tonight is Preston Sharp, a 12-year-old boy from Redding, California, who noticed that veterans' graves were not marked with flags on Veterans Day. He decided all by himself to change that and started a movement that has now placed 40,000 flags at the graves of our great heroes. Young patriots like Preston teach all of us about our civic duty as Americans. And I met Preston a little while ago. And he is something very special that I can tell you. Great future. Thank you very much for all you've done, Preston. Preston's reverence for those who have served our nation reminds us of why we salute our flag, why we put our hands on our hearts for the Pledge of Allegiance, and why we proudly stand for the national anthem. Americans love their country, and they deserve a government that shows them the same love and loyalty in return. So President Trump is talking about the loyalty of the people to the government, and the government needs to share that same loyalty back to the people. And in particular, what he's going to do is he's going to talk about next the judges that he's appointing. Now, contrast everything that you're hearing. We just heard a segment about uh, respecting the flag and our national anthem. This is during a period of time, many may remember, when it was typical for athletes to kneel during the national anthem, to try to ignore it, to try to dismiss it as being racist. And so he's coming back saying, no, this is a bond between us. It doesn't have anything to do with ideology. It is something that should unite us, not divide us. So quit dividing us and stand up and respect the flag, respect the actions of our soldiers and our sailors uh, to fight for liberties across the world and to fight for freedom for people to do what they want, to be able to kneel. But that's so disrespectful. Find other ways and to make your thoughts known than 
an audience that is there to see a sporting event as an example. Next, he's going to talk about bringing trust back to the people into the courts because the courts had gone too far, too liberal. And now he's going to talk about how he's changing the courts. So let's listen to that segment of the Trump speech here. For the last year, we have sought to restore the bonds of trust between our citizens and their government. Working with the Senate, we are appointing judges who will interpret the Constitution as written, including a great new Supreme Court justice and more circuit court judges than any new administration in the history of our country. We are totally defending our Second Amendment and have taken historic actions to protect religious liberty. Of course, the president at this point in time in 2018 is talking about uh, Supreme Court Justice Gorsuch. Trump is able to later on in his administration appoint two additional conservative justices to the Supreme Court and continue to appoint more lower court justices that were more constitutionalist. And we've seen the Supreme Court, as an example, since he's left office, take on a number of cases about the Second Amendment and religious freedom. And those decisions were along the lines that you would expect in favor of the Second Amendment and religious freedom based upon the justices that he appointed. Can you imagine if Hillary Clinton had won that election that we would have had three very liberal justices Think about the justice that Biden just put in place. She said in her confirmation hearing she couldn't even determine and define what a woman was. So they've got one very liberal person put on the court that is going to go the opposite direction. But fortunately, there are six conservative justices on the Supreme Court that will rule in favor of the kind of rights that we've enjoyed in the past and give people more freedoms. So that's the legacy of Donald Trump. Let's wrap up with a few more comments from him as we end this segment of this hour. In our drive to make Washington accountable, we have eliminated more regulations in our first year than any administration in the history of our country. We have ended the war on American energy, and we have ended the war on beautiful, clean coal. We are now very proudly an exporter of energy to the world. I know for many people listening today in the audience that it's hard to believe that we were energy independent and selling our energy, our coal, our natural gas, um, our, our oil across the world to help other countries. And Trump had warned that if we didn't do this, that we would be empowering Russia. And look what's happened in this Biden administration to go from energy independent to him cutting the um, Keystone Pipeline to the energy dependence that Europe had on Russia, where it now got to be a dispute between Russia and Europe over the Ukraine war that is now crippling uh, Europe and is hurting us, the United States. It can be so different depending upon who is in that Oval Office. Let's go back and see what Trump had to do with working on the cities that were so devastated by Democrats that they said that they were going to help. Let's take a look at one example 
Detroit, Michigan. In Detroit, I halted government mandates that crippled America's great, beautiful auto workers so that we can get Motor City revving its engines again. Many car companies are now building and expanding plants in the United States, something we haven't seen for decades. Chrysler is moving a major plant from Mexico to Michigan. Toyota and Mazda are opening up a plant in Alabama, a big one, and we haven't seen this in a long time. Very soon, auto plants and other plants will be opening up all over our country. This is all news Americans are totally unaccustomed to hearing. For many years, companies and jobs were only leaving us. But now, they are roaring back. They're coming back. They want to be where the action is. They want to be in the United States of America. Boy, if we could only get back to that kind of America, a booming population, increasing jobs, higher wages, lower taxes, less government influence, better court decisions, a border that was being controlled, energy independence. Why was that so evil of somebody who the Democrats and the far left and the media were constantly trying to diminish, um, to stain his reputation and impeached him twice over what? Because he was fighting against big government and socialism. That was the great threat. So, Join us again next week when we will talk some politics, some policy, and we're going to get closer to the election of 2022, and we'll see if this country is willing to go back to the prosperity that we had or continue with the dominance of Washington, D.C., and the democratic socialist policies that are moving us, in my opinion, in my strong opinion, in the wrong direction. Join us next week. Thank you for being here and listening to this. Look forward to talking to you next week. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.